In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. So you're here because you want to know modern, vintage, everything in the world of card collecting today. Chuck, he's the collector, and Joe, he's the dealer, welcome you to the best card talk that covers it all. From the hottest new cases to 67 high numbers, all brought to you by Oxygen Financial. Breathe easier about life with Oxygen Financial. Visit OxygenFinancial.net and buy sports card investor the leading source for videos podcasts and articles about investing in sports cards profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com collector dealer take it away he said it, so I guess we'll give it to you. It's The Collector and the Dealer, Episode 47, The National. I'm Chuck Oliver. I'm The Collector. He's Joe Davis. He's The Dealer. Joe, you're back from The National. How you been doing, man? Doing great. I am worn out, still recovering, but boy, what a phenomenal, phenomenal week we had. Yeah, I as I said, I am The Collector. Been doing this since uh, I was a second grader back in 1976. Y'all know my story. I still collect. I have gone from being exclusively vintage uh, and even a little pre-war, too. I have gotten into modern, and I'm just loving some of it. Uh, Joe, tell everybody uh, your story. You are the dealer. How to get in touch with you if they want some products, some information, et cetera. Just give them the lowdown. Yeah, they can reach us through our website at gotbaseballcards.com. That's G-O-T, baseballcards.com. Uh, we've got baseball cards on eBay, Instagram, Facebook, all over the web. And uh, they can come out to our resale, retail store in Loganville. We're open Tuesday through Saturdays uh, at 2970 Rosebud Road in Loganville. Look forward to seeing many of our listeners come for a visit. And as we've told you throughout the first 46-ish episodes, uh, brought to you by Oxygen Financial. Yeah, and I host a daily uh, syndicated nine states, 53 sticks, uh, college football show only year-round college football. And Oxygen Financial has actually transferred. Uh, they're now a, an advertiser on that show. But we'll still be having Tyler Huck, our advisor, who's given so much good advice for collectors and dealers um, over the past year or so. We'll still be having Tyler on with us uh, at various times. So continued thanks to Oxygen Financial. But, Joe, we're also brought to everybody each week by sports card investor Jeff Wilson and his crew. Yeah, and I got to see Jeff and Kelly and their gang at the uh, National. They were going all around. Uh, filming. Uh, he actually did a break with Golden Auctions right across from our booth, uh, getting lots of great content. I know Jeff made a lot of uh, dealers happy there because he was making a lot of purchases as well. So they were very busy doing their thing, and I highly recommend checking them out at sportscardinvestor.com. They provide all kind of great data and video content uh, for both uh, collectors, dealers, investors, et cetera. And I want to throw an additional bone there because this is really important stuff. When it's fast and furious at a place like the National, that sports card investor app, uh, what is it, the market movers? The uh, uh -huh. I mean, it, it's, it's as timely information as you're going to have. Uh, and when you're walking the floor, it's important to know that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's great to keep up on what's hot, what's not, what's trending and so forth. So it's, it's a great app, great free app. Uh, that you can get from them all right well we said this is episode 47 
the national. We have been having nationals since when? 1980 or 81, I believe. And Joe, uh, we're going to walk all through this, but I just want to start with the bottom line attendance figures. I remember several years ago, I went to my first national. A guy named Mike Burkus was still running it. Uh, and he has since passed, but he told me that the target is 35,000, 40,000, and that's a really good show. Um, I've seen estimates that there might have been 100,000 people who bought tickets this weekend. Yeah, I heard, and, and none, I have none of this uh, confirmed, but I heard on Thursday morning that of the show that they had already sold around 85,000 tickets, and they still had three more days of the show to go. So if if that number is accurate, and I can tell you, based on the crowd, it would not shock me at all if 100,000 attended. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and get into this because, I mean, this is sort of like behind the music or something. You know, everybody kind of gets to see what really goes on. Talk about it. Let's go back to whether it was Sunday or Monday. I was at your shop, I think, the day before you were leaving. Um, I was up there picking up some supplies and such. And you're like, yeah, I already rented the van. We're already getting it ready to load. So, Take us through all of this for all of us who weren't at the National, and this is the first one I've missed, the first non-Atlantic City National I've missed since 2013. Uh, take me there, man. Tell me when y'all left, what the trip up there was like. Just just walk us through all this. Long, long. <laughs> <laughs> no, traffic, we left uh, Sunday around noon, um, and I went with Austin Brown, who runs our brake division. Yeah for us breaks been on the show and so he helped help he handled most of the driving load so we went uh i think we stayed we stayed stayed a little where south of indianapolis sunday night and then the the last four or five hours monday morning got up there got all of our credentials got checked in uh because we had uh booths in two parts of the room we actually had a break booth as well we were able to unload all our stuff in there and then transfer it over on Tuesday morning to our regular booth, just the content that belonged in that booth. So it was really two days of getting stuff in the room, then getting it set up and uh, took most of the day Tuesday to get our booth set up. And then we were pretty much ready to go Wednesday morning with a little bit of final setup. So uh, we definitely took a little too much, even with all the square footage we had, we couldn't fit it all. All right, now I, I'm not, you know, hope I'm not giving you trade secrets, but I remember a guy, Roger Newfelt, who you, you and I both know, and I'm sure a lot of people listening yeah. have bought from him. Uh, he said that the thing he doesn't like about the the Atlantic City Nationals, he says, because you get to pick booth by dealer seniority, and everybody catches a year up on Roger because he doesn't go to AC anymore. Um, so is that still how it is? You got to pick your booth locations by how many uh, Nationals you've done. Yeah, they go in priority order, so we were able to. Uh, we're excited. We were able to get an additional booth for next year, so I will have uh, three booths on the main floor next year. And uh, you're correct; a lot of people skip Atlantic City, but you know this is what I do, so <laughs> we will be there. Uh, all right, so let's talk about uh, before even because this is the, the the normal schedule is Wednesday of the national at four o'clock. They usually have something. I'm trying to think like maybe at two to four, the VIPs can get like an autograph or two from some special guys. And then at four o'clock, the floor opens. I'm usually walking around there by 10 or 11 on Wednesday. And so I, I go, I'll go in and I start walking around seeing everybody I know. I'm seeing dealers already do business. And we've talked about this. What was your pre-show business like with other dealers? It was really good. I had uh, another dealer by... Remember all those LeBron James box cards I always harp on? Yeah. I had, I had a dealer spend $28,000 uh, 
primarily on those cards before the show ever opened. So I'm not the only one who believes in them. So uh, that was that was a really nice sale to kick the show off. But I didn't do as well. I, I, the, the rumor, and, and I won't even share the company name, but somebody came by and they said, hey, did you hear XYZ dealer? I did over a million dollars in sales and the doors had not opened yet. So I'm like, well, I guess there's going to be a little bit of money spent this year in this room. So hopefully that buyer comes by our booth as well. Okay. So, so Rich Moeller, who I guess you know pretty well, Sports Collectors uh, Digest Online, isn't it? Or Sports Collectors Daily Sports Online. Collectors, yeah, he came by and did a little interview with me. I meant to send that to you. But, yeah, I did an interview with me for their uh, their site uh, at the show. And you could see the crowd behind us that uh, uh, when he came by. Yeah, that's and I saw it at sportscollectorsdaily.com. And he was doing basically a video or picture log of the National the entire five days he was there. It was off and flying. It was supposed to be the early VIP session, but it was like a regular crowd I, I, I was reading. Oh, yeah, Wednesday was... We were just saying, thank you, Lord. It was only four hours Wednesday because it was four to eight. Uh, because as good as the sales were, it was tiring. We'd already been there since, you know, eight that morning. And so that was a long 12-hour day. And then Thursday as well. I, I mean, I think Thursday might have been the peak for us. Uh, Saturday was was probably almost equally as busy. Friday was down a little bit. And then Sunday was definitely down by comparison. But But every day was better than a normal national all right so. so so let's talk through some just random deals tell me you know if you remember you know men or women or whoever came up to your booths and just some purchases i mean you told us twenty eight thousand dollars on the lebron box sets from 04 um give us some more of these uh we sold i can tell you that vintage sales were incredibly strong we sold a pete rose csg 1.5 for 750 rookie, Whoa. we sold, we sold two Bob Gibson rookies. We sold a uh, second year Hank Aaron PSA four for either I believe it was 750. Uh, we sold um, second year Mantle 52 Bowman and a Hank Aaron rookie combined for I believe it was 5300 for the pair. The Mantle was a two and the Aaron was a four. Uh, so vintage was just very strong. It didn't matter as long as it was one of the big four holders. Did, did it was really you, strong. Did you bring any wax? Because you had told me before that there's going to be you know 600 dealers and there's going to be plenty of wax, and so it has to be a real there has to be a real reason for you to take wax if you know you can just leave it at your store in Atlanta and sell it later. Right. We sold. We brought a handful of cases. We sold. We sold out of top series two. We brought a case of that. We sold out of. Clearly Authentic, which was a new release from Tops. We sold several of the new product we released, the hoop slabs and the soccer slabs. Uh, we sold some uh, Mosaic Soccer. We sold some Revolution Soccer from 2017. Uh, we sold some uh, Prism Football from both 2018 and 2020. Uh, so a lot of sales. Sold a 16, 17 Optic Basketball Box for, I believe it was 900. So, yeah, a lot of – for the little bit we brought, we had a, a good number of sales on wax. So let me ask you about your, your break booth. Have you had a break booth at National before? We have, and we actually used it differently this year. Rather than doing live breaks, which we've done in the past, we uh, target – since we are mainly soccer on that channel on, on U.S. Breaks, yeah. Austin had a whole uh, – they had a whole booth of soccer singles, so they helped promote – doing soccer business with us 
but uh, had a number of uh, had had hundreds and hundreds of soccer singles, and also Formula One, which is uh, one of the new trending sports. Um, and speaking of, I, I do get some breaking news from Tops that I can share as well. Oh, uh, please do. So uh, talked to Tops, and they said that uh, they're looking at uh, some other new releases next year. Some other uh, they're looking at doing a tennis product which is exciting, uh, and uh, also some other uh, bringing back some old names uh, like pristine baseball uh, and, and maybe doing another version of Chrome, another variant of Chrome baseball. So um, all positive, uh, all sound like exciting products. All right, so before we take our break and then move on to the second part of The Collector and the Dealer, um, just post-national, what are your takeaways, opinions, like outright predictions, just anything, any observations you have about the hobby, the industry, collectors, dealers in general, product, et cetera? The most exciting thing not only was the crowd, but that the average age was probably well below my age, which is very different because national after national, it's always been like, yeah, the people here are pretty much my age and older. Yeah, I would say half the crowd was in their twenties and thirties. It was that that that's a big guess because I you know there were so many people there. But I mean there was a a ton of young young collectors and dealers, and it was just great to see. I I cannot count how many people told me it's my first national. It's my first national. Oh wow! Over and over, it was just just great to to know that so many new people are getting into the hobby and. Uh, people, you know, flew in from overseas. It was just, it was, it was incredible. It just exhilarating. I can tell you to be a part of it. And well, it certainly sounds like it was just a tremendous experience up there. And I, let me ask you one question before we move on. And I mean, we've been friends for four and a half decades, so, you know, we can be honest. Um, when I was mentioning AC, you were like, well, yeah, everybody says that about Atlantic city, but it's kind of what I do, Chuck. So I guess I'll be there. Um, what is your personal opinion of the show in Atlantic city? If you, if you feel like sharing, because every dealer that I talk to it, well, except for the ones from like Jersey and New York, um, it's the same thing. No, I'm going to go and we'll do the show and, and, and I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, but I know a lot of the, like the attendance is always the lowest there. Do you think it gets a bad rap or is, is it a necessary quote evil to keep a rotation going? What's just your general fly over the AC show? Yeah. If to, to express an opinion, I wish they could find another one, another location that was more centrally located, you know, Dallas or St. Louis or Nashville or, you know, somewhere more in the middle of the country than, than any than the northern coast, northern east coast. It's just, uh, and it's not even that. It's very difficult to get in and out because you know you have to fly into Philly and then you take take yep. a rail to get over there, or you rent a car, or whatever. It just it, they don't make it. Uh, it's just not easy, you know, to to get in and out of Atlantic City. So I think that really hurts um, attendance, and it also hurts what sales could be, but that that commitment had already been made for this year. So for, I mean, for next year, yeah. so that's what it's going to be. Uh, I don't, I believe the following year's Chicago again. Um, I need to confirm all of that, but that's, that's my assumption is that they'll head back to Chicago. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, you hit on it because you and I, I, I will admit we've been spoiled because it just seems normal to live in a place where you have the world's busiest airport. 
but I do live in the city where the world's busiest airport sits, and I can't fly directly to Atlantic City. So at that point, I look at AC and I go, that's a you problem, all right? Um, and so it, 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 it's, it's the same thing everybody brings up, especially a dealer who says, I'm going to fly to Philadelphia and then schlep all my stuff to the Hertz counter and then drive. It's like, it's just, it's, it, it almost is not worth it to some, but it's again, it's the national. So you got to go. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back and we're going to jump into some, uh, topics that are relevant to everyone, grading companies, cost of supplies, all of that in part two of the collector and the dealer episode 47, the national. A popular thought in the sports card world is that there's two camps, those that love the hobby and those that profit from the industry. Thanks to Sports Card Investor, you can do both. Jeff Wilson has built his Sports Card Investor YouTube channel and his personal website, sportscardinvestor.com, so that if you're a beginner looking to flip cards for cash or a returning veteran to the hobby wanting to make sure you get the best deals ahead of any emerging price trends, Sports Card Investor is for you. Sports Card Investor, the leading source for videos, podcasts, and articles about investing in sports cards. Profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com. Welcome back to The Collector and the Dealer, episode 47, The National. I'm Chuck Oliver. I'm the collector. Joe Davis, he's the dealer. Uh, Joe, let's get an update on grading companies because my understanding is all of the reputable grading companies were on site. Um PSA is the only one that I remember saying they were taking submissions. Um, and I got to tell you, I wasn't happy PSA was doing the cash grab at National. Well, I still have, I think, six orders waiting from October and November. Um, but give an update on the grading environment and how it was at the National. And then just for everybody, now that we're through the National and at home and we're back to submitting the way we used to. Yeah, actually, PSA, BGS, and CSG took submissions on site. Um, and they sold out very quickly. Uh, they were, they were backed up immediately. We turned some in the very first day and, and, uh, but, I, but I heard that they got very backed up in, in a hurry. Um, PSA was incredibly busy. BGS was incredibly busy. Uh, CSG, I got to meet with, uh, have a good meeting with, with, uh, their head grader and their director of operations about the future and what they're doing and, and, and uh, where they're headed as a company. Um, and then I also got to meet with SGC um, and because and, we're doing a, a lot of business with SGC right now for customers and met with their president and my account rep and they were not grading on site, but they were uh, doing a uh, kind of a give back, big, big PR basically. So the charm uh, offensive. Yeah. And so they said when I talked to them, they said that, you know, their goal was not to fall behind on what was back in the office and to honor all those commitments to the customers they'd already made. So rather than just taking in, you know, more at the national. So that was a different approach. But, you know, I, I'm thankful for all the orders I have there that I know they're going to get done quicker and won't fall further behind because of the national. So but they were they were all um, BGS and PSA, especially even at two hundred fifty dollars a card and higher with PSA on the, you know, on the higher dollar stuff, they were still incredibly busy. License to print money. Uh, absolutely is. All right. Uh, I need to talk supplies and cost and et cetera. Um, because I found myself just like yelling at clouds a couple weeks ago. Why in the world have I been putting $3, 1980 tops, Raleigh fingers cars into, I would put them in a soft sleeve and a top loader. 
Joe, card savers. That's what they're made for. Card. And I was thinking, why have I been doing this? And I was like, wait a minute. Like 30 episodes ago, Joe's like, yeah, card savers, way less, cost less, and take up less space, Chuck. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have learned card saver one, card saver two. Uh, the top loaders, that needs to be for something that actually needs to be protected. A $20 card, a $50 card, a $100 card. Everything else, card saver one for vintage, card saver two for modern, correct? Yeah, and that's what we put a ton of our vintage in at the show because it saves space in the boxes. They're lighter weight. You can fit more cards per box. It still protects them very well, and it's less work than doing an inner sleeve and an outer sleeve. Uh, all right, so let's talk about prices now because I have been – and again, I mean, I, I can't say I'm wrong because all of my 1980 Topps Raleigh Fingers cards are really well protected. But uh, let's talk about, for instance, I know a case of top loaders is 20, uh, 40 boxes of 25 per, and so that's 1,000 top loaders in a case. What is a price for that right now? Uh, it's been all over the place. Um Typically, um, I, there was so little at the show. I mean, I know we sell individual packs for seven fifty in the store. You know, you can probably pick up cases in the five dollar range. Didn't, didn't they uh, used to be like a like a case might be one fifty, and the individual packs like maybe four or five bucks? It, not even that. I mean, a year ago we were selling top loads for like two fifty a pack, like one hundred eighty to one hundred dollars a case. So yeah, they've. To either you know they've gone up two to three fold in the last year yes that that, of, that phrase we've heard all our life it's on a boat from china um yeah, tur- yeah. turns out that's an that's that's a real thing what about card savers i guess one and two would be the same prices do you know where those are selling right now yeah ballpark card saver ones are around 15 dollars per hundred so you compare that to you know 30 dollars per hundred for yeah. you know, so they're about half the price and yeah, card saver twos are a little, and, and whether it's the card saver brand uh, or other brand, the, the two is the little bit smaller ones. Uh, they're typically a little bit cheaper, but because there's less plastic yeah. content, but uh, that, that, so they are at least about half the price of top loads. And they weigh less and you can get more in the case. And I mean, like literally I was like, wait a minute, like six months ago, Joe laid out probably five reasons that I for me, card savers versus top loaders. But I was like, you know what? I got a lot of well-protected cards. Uh, yeah. All right. I've also, and I've talked about this, Net54 is a board that I've gone on to. And I'm just telling you my experience. Um, and it's like before we, my wife and I will go on vacation. Joe, I'll spend three months on TripAdvisor. I'll, I'll, read, I'll read a thousand reviews about a hotel, restaurants, all that stuff. So, so I did all my research and got to know the people I was doing my business with. I've done about 10 sales so far. Um, one of them, PSA 8, 1967 Topps Mantle, uh, got baseballcards.com, sent it in for me. It came back. I got an eight. So I sell this for about three grand and is, I'm going to mention the shipping company because everything I'm saying is true. I'm just trying to find out some stuff. Uh, I take it to UPS and I will say Joe had given his opinion. Chuck, I've never had an issue. You personally, you said you've never had an issue with a problem with UPS and the card disappearing or anything like that. And that's all I cared about. So I go to UPS and I pack it and I'm ready to ship it. And, you know, they weigh it and they do the postage and everything. Um, first thing is he asked me what's in here. And I don't want I don't, I don't want to tell anybody what's in there because I, I and I'll admit it. I'm a noob. I'm afraid of advertising. There's a really expensive baseball card in there. Um, right. And so what stumbled out of my mouth was 
oh, it's a $3,000 baseball card. Like, literally, <laughs> I'm like, come back, words. Don't you get back in here. Um, I insured it for $3,000, and it cost me $103 to ship with insurance. Um, so shipping and $3,000 insurance, do you have any knowledge base? Does that sound reasonable for $103, or am I getting – do I need yeah, to find – really that's really high. You need to just drop it by the store next time and ship on our account. <laughs> that's yes. That's that's uh, really pricey. Yeah, that should have run you about maybe half that. Okay. Um, and so because I also shipped my, uh, I had a '67 Seaver PSA seven. It was two thousand dollars. Excuse me. It was about twenty five hundred. I insured it for two thousand, uh, and it cost me about seventy dollars. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, typically it should be with UPS. It should only cost you about a dollar per hundred for insurance. Okay. So, so $2,500 should be about $25 plus the shipping, say maybe 10 to 15, depending on where it's going and how quickly you're getting it there. So 45, 50 bucks at most. All right. Cause I, I've absolutely been getting run over on shipping. Um, now yeah. here's the other thing. I need some guidance on where to buy packing and shipping supplies. Um, because I realize now that I'm going to be doing this and I've got an extent, I mean, you You've seen my cards. I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of high-quality vintage cards, and it turns out people want some of them. Um, so what is the best route for me to buy my bulk bubble wrap, my bulk packing tape? I need boxes, actually, because I've been buying boxes from the UPS store, too. Right. There's a lot of sellers. on. Uh, honestly, uh, I don't handle the buying of that for our company, but there are companies. One one we used to call use is called Bubble Fast bubblefast.com they sell foam rolls and they sell all kind of bubble mailers and poly mailers and boxes and they're they were very reasonable but it seems like the last few times when i was in the loop on where we were buying them it was uh just they would uh just search ebay for like you know 500 four by six mailers or 500 three by five mail, whatever and mm -hmm. we look for the cheapest prices and uh, I, I know there's one vendor we found like was in in the southeast and it was like a one-day ship so just uh, just shop you know ebay literally there's so many manufacturers out there of bubble mailers do not go buy them at your local office supply you'll pay about four times what you're uh, for any of that stuff in general that's a general rule that you're gonna you're gonna overpay relative to the pricing you can find online so literally just old school go online scour it and get the lowest price and wait for it to come in yeah, yeah. There's definitely some some deals out there for sure. There's one more thing that I did want to mention. I'm saying that I've sold my PSA eight uh, sixty seven tops mantle and my my sixty seven Seaver. Uh, Joe, I want to revisit something that I think you and I talked about on an episode uh, probably several ago when I was just getting the submissions back from PSA. And I'll give you credit. I mean, I guess you've been doing some for thirty years. You're supposed to you know figure out some or other. Uh, yeah. But I said, what's the best way for me to sell mantle or a card like this mantle card? And you said, and for everybody listening, write this down. It is the 11th commandment because it's now worked twice with two of the more expensive cards I own. Joe said, go to eBay and do real research on this. Find the real price that this card has has been going for. And there's going to be a range, obviously. But find what the probably the right price for this is. Put it up at about 15% above it. And people will bite sometimes because they want that card or they think it's a hot card and it's trending or whatever. And so that's that's perfectly – put it up there 15% above, but accept offers. Both times I've done that, both times I've gotten offers, and I'm happy, 
both times the buyer has been happy because he thinks he's getting a deal as well. Um, and he has. And it's just it's worked out perfectly. I got no issue selling on eBay at all like that. No, that, that's worked for us for years. And uh, it's a way to maximize. And I, I advise people that way all the time, whether they're consigning to us or they're selling their own card. I'm like, here's how not to leave money on the table, how to protect yourself. Yep, and absolutely true, because when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, oh, my goodness. Joe buys a box. All right, folks, we're going to do things a little differently this week. Uh, normally, it's Joe buys a box, and that's what the man said. This time, Joe, I got permission from you. We're going to do Chuck buys a box, and I actually bought a case, um, and I mentioned it earlier in this episode. I, I'm, a, I'm a convert. Um, I got a case two weeks ago from you, 2021 Tops Gypsy Queen. I opened all 10 boxes. I had. Can I tell you about my boxes? I'm so excited about this. Oh, yeah, I haven't got to hear. Okay, so, I, of course, because I'm OCD and everything has to be organized, you, know, you have to take some fun out of it. You know, you have to, you have to turn it into business. Um, I kept track of everything I was getting from each of the individual 10 boxes to see, you know, what the trends were, what it looked like, what to expect going forward. Out of my 10 boxes, every box had two autographs, and that's what they pitch. Two of the boxes, I got three autographs. Is that unusual? Um, it happens. I mean, it's uh, – I won't say it's consistently like that, but – we have seen it happen where customers get bonus autographs. Okay. And I was noticing that in general, you're going to get at least four pieces of color, sparkle, shiny stuff. Um, and I'm talking parallels, you know, inserts, whatever. You're going to get like four, you know, bling cards. And, yeah. and I, got, I got four in about half of the boxes. And a couple I got five. And a couple I got six. Um, I got a black one of one that was the worst – uh, centered card I mean it was almost miscut and it's a black one-on-one um, but the thing is besides that one card I mean tops over the years the quality control and the designs and the creativity I can't recommend Gypsy Queen and a lot of the new products enough I I sat there for an entire Saturday afternoon I ripped a case and I had a blast Joe that's awesome that's what I love to hear from collectors that they're enjoying new products enjoying opening them and feeling like you know, that, that the entertainment value and, and the residual value of the cards is, is worth the purchase price. Yeah, and I just want to tell you about one final thing as well, um, because there's only 300 cards in the base set. The box topper packs, you get three chrome Gypsy Queen box toppers. Um, out of the 10 packs, I got a total of five parallels, including I got a red, I got some of the blue, whatever. So I got five of the parallels from the chrome cards. And then in the last pack in the last, last box... I got the Mike Trout mask up version, which I don't even know. It's so new. You may not. And you were busy getting ready for national yeah. uh, at an average of one, every 1,650 packs. There is a, a, an alternate version, a variation of a card where the player is wearing a mask from last year. And I got the Mike Trout mask up version. That's about $350, $400 card on, on eBay right now, sold items. So uh, I just had a blast, man, and I'm so I'm, I'm like if you put your finger and thumb about an inch apart, I'm that close to saying, "Hey, Joe, I'll pick up another case on Saturday, man." I can't recommend Gypsy Queen enough. It was every bit as much fun as I was hoping for. All right, so that was me, and that was my box. Uh, that means you get the vintage set of the week. What you got? I'm going with my all-time favorite '60s set, which is 1963 tops. Oh, uh, I have always loved the colors. I've loved the uh, the design, the 
you know, the Bomber's best card, the Power Plus cards, 576 cards, uh, so many beautiful cards of Hall of Famers. Of course, it's got the Rose and the Stargell rookies, um, but it's just, uh, I just love them. I, I bought a collection in the store a few weeks ago, which had a really nice Clemente, and it graded a six, and I took it to the National, and and literally throughout the week, I'm like, man, I hope nobody buys that, because <laughs> I just, I really like, and so I've decided, like, I'm just going to stick that in my collection, because I love the card. It's, I even felt like it was undergraded, because it's super sharp corners, you know, there's Kopex and Barra and Aaron and Maris and Yaz and Mays and, and Mantle, just uh, mutual, just incredible design. I love the design, love the colors, the way, I mean, it was, to me, it was so superior to the, the sets around it in 62 and 64. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just uh, really liked the design that year. It's just it's a collector favorite of mine. And the P. Rose rookie, honestly, that was – it was always the, the 52 mantle. But I'm going back to when I was real little, like elementary school, even middle school. The P. Rose rookie was the second rookie that I ever heard about anybody, you know, obsessing over. And we talked about this maybe i don't know 10 episodes ago it's like the og of counterfeit cards like the 63 mm -hmm. rose rookie card was the original that everybody's in fact they're even i've seen them sold where counterfeit is stamped on it yeah. um so that's how prevalent it is but you mentioned something there that i want to add on to um they would have throughout the 50s and 60s just these whimsical like tiger twirlers and they would have two detroit pitchers standing there um right. There was one from the 58 set, Birdie's Bombers, and it was Birdie Tebbets and two of his, you know, powder hitters. He was a, he was a Braves manager, so yeah. – or Reds manager. So, anyway, it's just it, – you're right. It is a great set, so colorful. You get the two pictures on there as well. So, just good stuff, Joe. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up Episode 47 of The Collector and the Dealer. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.